Welcome, baseball fans. It is time once again for the Running the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, this is it. World Series starts tomorrow or today by the time people are listening to this. Baseball season's almost over. Oh, I know. I know. And that's uh, th- that's kind of the bittersweet thing about the World Series. Yeah. You know? I, I really am feeling it this year. It's been a great season. So, And hey, real quick, uh, Falcons won, but forget that. The Georgia Tech miracle on Tech with Saturday night. How about that? Uh, it was a pretty amazing game. Uh, I It's the amazing part was their defense. Yeah, absolutely. That's their Super Bowl for the year. So That's for sure. All right, well, let's get to it. So, World Series, Game 1. Kansas City is going to throw out Edison Volquez, and New York is going to throw out Matt Harvey. So, let's just do the prediction first. How do you see this World Series playing out? Who wins? How many games? Um, it would seem logical. I mean... I, it's hard to see anybody beating the Met team as it's the Mets team as it's going right now. I mean, their pitching just seems to be tremendously dominant. However, Kansas City is the best balanced team uh, in the American League all year. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's. I think it will. Unlike a lot of people, I think it's going to go seven games. I hope it does. I do, too. I hope it does as well. I think the edge, though, goes to the Royals. I got to say, I feel as though you and I and perhaps a lot of baseball in general kind of forgot about them this year or this postseason. They didn't get – I mean, when you have the Cubs there, I guess, you can't really argue that that's going to get the most of the attention. But, you know, you and I both picked Blue Jays out of the American League. And did we, we, we in fact, forget about the Royals and how good they are? Because now they are defending American League champs. And they are a better team than they were uh, last year. Morales is just, you know, a tremendous addition uh, back for them. But uh, the – and that's without Cueto having been anything. Uh, But they were – they had an awful September. Just, I mean, and it – uh, it was just one bad month. The rest of the year, five other months, they were the best team in the American League. Yeah, and and now this this ever so important sixth month, right? Out of seven, um, you know the Royals. How interesting is it that last year they were the darlings, and and this year they're like the villains suddenly. They have four bench clearing brawls they throw at people. <laughs> yeah, that might be the reason. That could be. That could be it. Um, they've got headhunters throughout the the team. Yeah, and, and that pitching staff, absolutely. Although, I mean, the 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 uh, the batting order, the guys in the field. I mean, they really keep the line moving. That is no joke. That's not just hyperbole. I mean, it's amazing how well they go station to station. Does Ned Yost deserve more credit than we've been giving him? I'll take that as a no. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's hard to say when you have uh, great athletes on your team, with how much you're responsible for the winning. I've said before, I don't think a manager uh, is, uh, you know, he may win two or three games a year, maybe, uh, but he can lose a lot. Uh, and so it, it's really hard to evaluate a manager without a, a 
a real large selection of work and see the way he has been with his players and the way he uh, protects his players, the way, you know, and all, all sorts of things. And uh, the way, I mean, and I mean that physically as well as, uh, you know, keeping the cameras away. Right. Well, here they are. They're back to back. I mean, the Rangers did that in 2010 and 11. Of course, they didn't win either of those. Um, Do you think that was Ron Washington at that time? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it, it's that's kind of checkered. That's that's a that's a little cloudy to try and discern. I mean, it, the Rangers were good for on both. Well. They were good. They were good, and then they they returned to the playoff. It wasn't as steep of a drop off uh, after 2011 as I think people make it out to be. So I, I give Ron Washington credit. That clubhouse was really solid for those two three years. Um, but my point is, is that this is something the Giants have not done, the Cardinals have not done, uh, the Red Sox, Yankees. Uh, you know, the the Royals are one of, I think, only two teams in the 21st century that have won back-to-back league titles. I think that's kind of amazing. Okay. Do you think this is going to be a sustained run pass think, this year? Uh, I yeah, they, they look like they are in good shape. Uh, Dayton Moore has really constructed their farm system well. They... Uh, they look in shape to as a good solid organization for some time um but it just take i mean uh you know it, it it takes one bad sign a couple of bad contracts and things can turn around but right now the royals seem to be uh you know on a very on very solid footing but i'm not about to give them anything because they've had two good years <laughs> you know they had you know they had 20 awful years you know you ought to have a couple of good years after you know so yeah uh, but these are two particularly good years yes they are so. the, yes they certainly are yeah and and really i mean they they really dominated toronto i if thought if the braves didn't go back after 92 they went in 91 and 92 and then never went back would you think of them in any way the same way no they did it 14 years or you know i mean <laughs> let, let's see the royals put together some streak they seem to be in good shape to do that but i'm not willing to acknowledge them as one of the great teams of all time i will no i <laughs> to be truth i'm not either i'm just you know pointing out the facts uh they have won back-to-back pennants in the 21st century the red sox cardinals dodgers haven't even won one so um, but at any rate, so on the other side of this is, of course, the Mets, the the now reigning feel-good story of this year. Um, and that pitching staff, Jacob deGrom, what can one say that hasn't already been said? No, yeah, I, I, I That's said, a challenge more than yeah. it is a question. <laughs> I did say it midseason. He was their ace, you know. I, he was, yeah, you did, that he's their best pitcher. Yeah. But that Harvey will probably be their ace but that he is their best pitcher this year for sure do you think though that um Syndergaard he's just nasty oh yeah but do you think that the Royals bullpen gives them the advantage because their bullpen is gonna be more solid six seventh eight I think the Royals are 
the best all-around team in the playoffs. They have a solid bullpen. Uh, they can produce runs. Uh, you know, they don't have to have uh, Daniel Murphy being Babe Ruth. Uh, <laughs> you know, Cespedes, we don't know about his shoulder. There could be, you know, uh, I think the Kansas City offense gives them more of an advantage than does their bullpen. Okay. And then um, how happy are you for David Wright? Because let me just tell you, I'm ecstatic. So thankful he's playing in a World Series. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm not ecstatic. I, you know, I wouldn't say that. That yeah. might be a little much. Sure. The, uh, I over-exaggerate. I, time yeah, time. There is a part of me that will not get it out of my mind that these are the Mets. Right. <laughs> yep. know, I mean, and uh, I have, you know, the... Uh, what what was the book about the '86 Mets? The bad guys won. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. The bad guys won. You know, and uh, those are the Mets that are just, uh, you know, I I didn't mind the Seaver Mets. You know, that was all the, right. The the, the Amazons. Yeah, but uh, the uh, those Mets are the ones that are forever kind of etched in to my psyche. Between 1998. And about 2003, 2004, I hated no team in the National League more than the Mets. Um, well, they were our they were our nemesis, yeah. our big time rival, or however you want to describe it. And it's amazing how how that's almost completely shifted. And now I feel like for us in Braves country, it's like the Nationals now. Um, They're the ones that are in our division. But if the Braves fans really look deep. It's always the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's how deep you and I look, at least. Um, all right. So, uh, and then one last kind of fun time question or uh, whatever. I don't know what I just said there. Um, which crowd atmosphere do you think will be more uh, exciting or uh, more potent, more of a home field advantage? Haven't thought about that. Uh yeah. I I just think it's got to be New York. Yeah. I mean in that respect I uh just can't imagine it not being. I I I don't know how well sound really uh kind of reverberates in City Field. You know, I I really haven't paid much attention to that. You know, nobody's been able to measure it (laughs) since it opened. (laughs) This is all new data this year. (laughs) I know exactly. So, uh, but I've got to believe that the New York will make it work somehow or another. Right. Um, All right. And so, um, I guess I had a couple more things to point out before getting to the prediction, but. So Matt Harvey is starting game one. Do you think that that's a little suspect for a number of reasons, as I do? I mean, A, DeGrom is your best, so why aren't you starting him? And then Harvey, I mean, the the innings limit debacle is, you know, kind of forgotten, but wow. Um, (laughs) Much ado about nothing, I guess. I mean, this is kind of the rote, the... It would have been Harvey pitching next now. You know, I mean, uh, he's had enough rest right now. This is true. Uh, and the, uh, I don't know, I think they're going to go with the fourth starter. You know, it'll depend. They do. Both are, actually. I, I mean, it will depend on 
uh, how well they're doing, but uh, they're going to see both Harvey and DeGrom twice. Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, it's it, so it doesn't really matter if there's if he's starting or second. You know, if they lose this game, the next game becomes much more important than the first game. Uh, you know, who would you rather? Who do you want pitching? Yeah. Well, you know, I got to look at it here. I might it might actually be Cindergard in game two and Degrom. Oh, I think it is Degrom in game two. Yeah. But I may be wrong, but I think it is. Yeah, Degrom. but I I know that um, the uh, Royals are. De- I mean, they're both going four deep, so um, I think it's uh, Stephen Matz that's going to yeah. uh, complete the rotation for the Mets. But Royals are going to go Volquez, Cueto, then Ventura, and then um, yeah, what's uh, who am I leaving? Young. Mm-hmm. So how Who's, about who? Uh, you know, I didn't see until these playoffs, but I like them. I do too. Yeah, I mean, again, more credit to the Royals just quietly having really dominating baseball. Give Dayton Moore deserves all sorts of credit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny that just a few years ago, in our own um, uh, columnist in the AJC, um, Schultz, Jeff Schultz, pointed out, um, or maybe it was Dave O'Brien, one of them that people were asking for his job and Ned Yost's job uh, two years ago. Um, But uh, at any rate, so um, while I look this up for the, for the Mets, um, what's your prediction for the world series who wins in how many games and who's your MVP? Um, I'll say Volquez is the MVP Kansas City wins in seven. Really? Yep. What What do you know that that we don't? I haven't heard anyone <laughs> say that about Volquez. The uh, I can't see a um, pitching. I mean, a hitting star for Kansas City doing that well against the Met pitching staff. I can't see somebody being an having an MVP performance having to face those guys every day uh so but i think kansas city is somehow or another going to win so you know i figure it's got to be a pitcher since he's pitching the first game that's why i'm taking him (laughs) (laughs) and by the way here we go game one for for the mets matt harvey game one degrom two Cindergard pitches game three and steven matt's game four so, well, I'm going to go uh, Royals as well. You know, right. I haven't picked them for hardly anything because of their September. Um, but I'm going to go Royals, and I'm going to say in six, and I'm going to give it to um, the man that you just mentioned earlier, Morales. Yeah. And if not Morales, my second it would be uh, Salvi Perez because, I mean, how valuable okay. is he? As a, I mean, he's got to be top three catcher now with Yachty and, and Russell Martin maybe. The uh... – he has and he's iron horse too. I mean, you know, he catches more than anybody, uh, and that is one of the things that makes him so valuable. It's one of the things that made uh, Ivan Rodriguez so valuable. Yeah, um, and then uh, you know we're gonna have to. You know, s- but may I, I'm gonna also say by game time tomorrow, I might uh, be thinking the Mets are gonna win in six. Oh sure. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, I mean, again, with the home field, once again, with the American League, of course, in the very uh, brilliant way that they decide that. 
Um, I really, I, you know, the Royals too. I feel like the fact that no one's talked about them and their attitude that they have this year as the villain that they're just focused on winning baseball. The Mets could possibly get too caught up in their own jubilation, so to speak. Um, I think it really helps them starting on the road. Um, yeah, because if they win one, I mean, shoot. And it will, I mean, if they were to lose two at home right away, that would be impossible for them. They If they lost two in Kansas City, they could they could still come back with their pitching yeah. at home, but they could do it the other way around. Yeah, you're saying if Kansas City loses the first two, they're... No, well, if... No, I'm saying if the Mets did, if the Mets lost their first two in Kansas City, they could still come back uh, in City Field uh, with the pitching they have. Uh, I think if they uh, did it the other way around, if they lost the first two games in New York and then had to go on the road, I I don't think they could come back. I got you. I get what you're saying. Okay, so the benefit to them being the uh, the, uh, the, uh, whatever, the road team. The road team. There you go. Thank you. All right. Well, I sincerely hope that when we're back here next week recording the podcast, that there will be two more World Series games in the mix. So, um, but uh, but yeah. All right. So now going first to third with our uh, great World Series in baseball history, we're going to go with the original <laughs> World Series I. <laughs> so the nineteen oh three World Series, the Boston Americans versus the Pittsburgh Pirates. Boston over Pittsburgh, five to three. Coach, you're the history guru, so I'm not even going to set this up. I'm just going to throw it over to you. The 1903 World Series, go. <laughs> okay, yeah, and announce all the games, go through them all. Yeah. Now, I know. I, well, first of all, it wasn't a World Series. It was a World Championship, uh, and this was not uh, – the leagues didn't agree on this. This was just the two owners, uh, the owner of Pittsburgh and the owner – of Boston, that uh, both teams were running away with it, their pennants, uh, early on or late in the year. And they made this agreement to have a nine-game championship. And they called it the World Championship, even though they were about 650 miles apart. Uh, <laughs> the uh, And uh, the league that doesn't sponsor the uh, the major leagues uh, as such don't sponsor this until 1904 and then it doesn't become uh, I mean until uh, 1905 and then it doesn't become a uh, compulsory until 1906 uh, compulsory Um, the the two owners however put an end to this fighting between the American and National League where both of them were robbing each other's players. They were going back and forth. The game was uh, really headed in a poor direction. I love the films and things, uh, you know, and the pictures of these days, you know, where you you see a ballpark and it's jammed. Now, it's jammed with like 12,000 people, but right. uh but still, you know, that's every seat is filled and they're all men. There isn't <laughs> a woman or a child uh you know anywhere and there was there were fights in all of these things and these were you know there was a lot of drinking and a tremendous amount of gambling uh you know the sporting news people don't really started off as like giving just odds uh you know and uh the uh for horse racing and things um the uh 
it was a, a brawling, fun time to watch a game. <laughs> uh, and this kind of ended, uh, you know, it brought the two leagues together uh, because the players uh, you know, made a lot of money doing this uh, for, at that time. Back when that really made a difference. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, you look at pictures from the 1903 World Series, and of course this is before ballparks had fences and grandstands in the outfield, so the ground rules were kind of interesting. Uh, the players were all over the field, and if you look at some of... <laughs> I mean, not players, I'm sorry, fans were all over the field. Uh, well, players are all over the field, too. <laughs> but they would rope off... There was such an overflow of people that they would rope off the outfield and uh and if a ball ground ball goes into the uh into the fans it's like a ground rule triple uh (laughs) and the uh so the fans would kind of like if their team is up they would surge forward uh trying to stretch the rope and vice versa I think there was something like 27 ground rule triples uh, in that World Series. Uh, I'm not certain of that, but it was in the 20s, uh, high 20s. And they're all at Allegheny Park where the fans were allowed to do this. Uh, Boston's playing at Huntington Park in those days. Yeah, and they had the greater, well, the attendance was would would range from 18,000 for the most, and that was at Huntington Avenue for Game 3, and then, the lowest was uh, 7,500 for uh, the deciding game number eight. Um, you know, this is a completely different era. Um, one fun fact, 16-game winner uh, Ed Doheny? Do- is that, am I saying that right? No, uh, isn't it Dinanen? Uh, Dianen? I don't have it in front of me. Well, Pittsburgh Pirates player... Um, 16-game winner, Ed Doheny. Doheny. Uh, Doheny. Doheny. Yes. Um, Three days after the World Series, because of uh, signs of paranoia, he was committed to an insane asylum. Yeah. How would that have fared on social media in this day and age? Well, not only that, this is a time when the the teams are like 15 people. Uh, You know, they've got like... Four guys who can pitch on the team, uh, and uh, so Pittsburgh we, only carried five pitchers, and the Boston Americans p- carried three, and and that's <laughs> and they won the series. <laughs> and one of them was a thirty-six-year-old Cy Young, correct? Um, but the um, still, I mean, so when you lose a player, it was pretty traumatic. Somebody else lost their only backup. You know that that was a actual position in those days. It was like the one guy who would cut the first guy who would come in if somebody went down. Uh, you know, it didn't matter what position. Catchers right. were particularly perilous in those <laughs> days. <laughs> well, back to the fans thing. You know, I, I think you know anyone who's seen the Ken Burns baseball has seen some of those photos of the outfield. You know, and then how. Back back in that time period, when the game was over, the fans exited through the same dugouts as the players, right? Didn't they? Well, didn't they, they leave the field? Portals that yeah. went. Down. I mean, that was with Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that's not. Um, there have been several ballparks where you did that. Yeah, that ended in the seventies when you had all the uh, the 
you know, the big cement circles. Oh, the the concrete donuts of which right. we probably featured one here in Atlanta. Yeah, but uh, so in the O3 World Series, many pictures of the fans circling the diamond, right on the just on the edge of the outfield grass. So um, they really uh, they really got involved. <laughs> that was a serious home field advantage. Yeah. If uh, if it was time for a double play, they would move back a little bit or forward. I don't know. I don't know how you, you know that that that's an interesting defensive shift to call for the manager. All right. So that you know that was the World Series. That one of the things it's remember. I mean, by the way, you know it, the all of this. This is like trivia stuff that every baseball fan should know. You know, you should know that. Deacon Philippi won the first uh, World Series game. I mean, you know, these are, um, but th- that's the World Series of uh, what was it, McCurdy's Royal Rooters? Uh, the uh, is it McCurdy? Uh, the guy who owned the bar. Oh, uh, McGurdy. Yeah. McGreevy or McGreevy, perhaps. I think it's uh, well, whatever. I mean, but the Royal McGreevy Ru- on the Avenue. Okay, the uh, I think. Uh, but uh, he he was like uh, no enough said McGreedy that was what he was you know yeah because uh, he uh, was the final say of any uh, argument in his bar but they had uh, his bar was the third base because it was the last place before home uh, the last <laughs> stop before home uh, but they had a whole group like fifty of these uh, McGurdy's. Uh, royal rooters that would they all wore the same suits and stuff and they all sat in the same place in the stands uh, all the time but they sang this song that was popular back then um tessie why do i love you so dearly and the uh they would change the words like honus why are you swinging so badly poorly <laughs> and stuff uh and they would do this to all of the different players and some of the uh the in what, what was that book where all those um, uh, for men in their times or something like that? Uh, it was Tommy Leach is writing like we couldn't, you know, couldn't get the sound out of our heads. It was like through the whole game, and they sang this through the entire game, like uh, from the beginning of the game till the end. They don't stop for commercials, you know. Um, and the uh, it's supposed there are people that swear that affected Honus Wagner and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they did lose, and Honus... Uh, they may have lost because they threw one pitcher five games yeah. out of eight. <laughs> but he won all three of... He, he won all three victories were accredited to Deacon Philippi, so... Yep, those were the first ones. Last two. He threw 44 innings <laughs> in eight games. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner. There's your gauntlet. Um but uh, let's look here. Honus Wagner, he hit two twenty two for the series. So, yeah, he def- would six not, for 27. So There was, at the time, a Hall of Fame for batting champions uh, where the, you post, they posted a picture of you each year if you won the batting championship. And uh, Honus Wagner won that year, as he did like 5,000 years. Uh, right. And, uh, but he wouldn't send his picture because he was... Uh, he had done so poorly in the World Series. He said, you know, when it counted, I was a bum. Yeah, so I don't... <laughs> yeah. Know. But there were people that said uh, his thumb was hurt. You know, there are other people who say it was the Royal Rooters. Who knows? Yeah. 
I'm going to credit the Royal Rooters because that's just too cool. <laughs> but, it, you know, in eight games, three home runs, you know. And Patsy Daugherty hit two of them in one game. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yep. Yeah. It's just. I think in game four, if I'm. I'd be impressed with myself if that's right. Game four, let's see. Um, and now I think it's game three. But uh, 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 it was uh, it was not game three. It was not game four. No, oh, wow. it was it was game two. In oh, fact, okay. so swing and a miss. But Sebring hits the so after after game two, no home runs after that. Right. So. Whereas you know, in All this I day and age, hit a ground ball into the <laughs> through the infield, and it was a triple. Yeah, because <laughs> it would disappear. You know, I coached at the old Woodward um, High School uh, before they had. You know, they have a beautiful field now. But uh, back when you played, kind of in at Woodward, and there were buildings all over the place. And if you hit this particular building, it was a double. And if, if it went through here, it was like a trip. They had the weirdest ground rules, and it was you know really kind of like a wiffle ball game. Yeah, yeah, um, that's awesome. I uh, for those who don't know, don't live in Atlanta, Woodward, a high school here. So here's okay. another fun fact: um, there were two, count them, two umpires, and I'm guessing they didn't have replay challenge. Uh, no, I don't think they did because <laughs> they'd have to wait to They're, develop the film. You know, one one of the. Yeah. <laughs> We delay uh, the game for quite a bit. <laughs> uh, one of the interesting things I uh, I've always contested that uh, you, you find great teams and they're usually going to be like three Hall of Famers on every uh, good team, every team in a World Series. Uh, in those days, though, there have there aren't that many people that have been around, you know. Uh, sure. But the managers were more dominant or more important than the players seemingly i mean people you know john mcgraw the reason we don't have a 1904 world series uh you know had to have armed guards in every uh every other uh park that he went to uh, outside of the polo grounds he was just uh a subject of great derision by uh fans everywhere and it was uh because he was who they saw beating him uh right and the uh if you look at these first two teams to go to a world series two of the uh one there are two hall of famers on each uh squad and both of the managers are hall of famers and we're hall of famers for being players not as right for being managers yeah they were player managers at that yeah. at that time. well i mean yeah but they they went into the hall of fame because of their playing ability not their managing ability Right, 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 right. Um, you know the this era, the dead ball era. Um, it's uh, I don't know. The, the, do you think that the romanticism comes from the quirks of it, or do you think that the grit of it, the grit of the dead ball era, is what makes it so fun to recount? Just like now, like going back and looking at you know, the difference is how there's only three home runs in an eight-game series, whereas now that might take place in one inning at any point in this World Series. Well, the home runs notwithstanding. I mean, uh, I think the if you read the accounts of the first baseball team, the Cincinnati Redlegs, you know, and their first season where they go like – 
92 and nothing or whatever it is. And, uh, and George Wright's hitting the home run every game. Uh, they don't, uh, but they only play like 90 games. He, he ends up hitting, you know, what would probably be 50 home runs if they were actually uh, counting everything back there. They had this, you know, they had uh, box scores or scorekeeping. You know, none of that stuff existed. But if you read the accounts, he's hitting a home run every game. The game has changed even from the dead ball era. What makes that so fascinating back then is you know, they didn't have these highlight mitts for gloves, you know, I mean, and they didn't, I mean, uh, and these, you know, John McGraw was great because he would go into uh, coal mines and farms and stuff and find people to be ball players and make them ball players. And uh, the, uh, it was a different game, you know, but it, yeah. it's, um, you know, if you look at anything back in time, uh, you know, you look at what the Globe Theater must have been like in 1606. You know, and, right? Uh, you're thinking that, uh, you know, that with you know they're pulling apart animals next door. There is a, a couple of buildings down. There's an insane asylum that you pay a penny to go over a ramp and look at crazy people. The, uh, I mean. The uh, Saint. Now we just call that a shopping mall. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> Free of charge. It, it is, there is a big similarity. Uh, the uh, and there is kind of a bedlam uh, to uh, shopping malls. Um, yeah. The uh, and an orange Julius for that man. There you go. Uh, and probably two sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, could never get it. The enough. high, the high level one and the mid range one. The. Um, but you're but, imagining the Globe Theater. Yeah, at that but time. I mean, you know, and it seems like that would be just the coolest place to see a play in the world. You know, where yeah. the the act where the audience is interacting with the uh, the theater the players on stage. But the the fact that there weren't any bathrooms anywhere, <laughs> and that there was. Uh, cholera and the plague and all this stuff is running rampant that wouldn't be you know maybe that takes away some of the uh you know what we see as fascination uh the the same thing would be true in maybe going to a game in 1903 uh you're liable to get knifed you know uh you know who knows yeah but you almost you know i'd still like to do it though yeah yeah i mean you know we just celebrated back to the future day last week and you yeah. know there's no doubt if i hopped in that delorean i'd be dialing up some of the dead ball era just to go see baseball yeah uh if i yes oh shoot yeah the uh i mean the what was the book i read again recently the um one about a guy going back in time and uh if i never get back yeah if i never get back yeah i mean that's just such the coolest thing now yeah. he he didn't have control o- over it uh you know he just kind of ended up there but that's w- definitely uh going back and uh, you know, shoot uh and to see how good honus wagner really was you know yeah, to see, bring it back uh, to baseball yeah right, right. and um, maybe pick up a couple of his piedmont trading cards yeah, so yeah, <laughs> bring those back with you that's true yeah. Well, anything else you want to you want to add or discuss or, you know, pontificate about the 1903 World Series? Oh, no. I know uh Ben Johnson who 
his name even sounds like a jerk, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It Ban does. Johnson, you know, but this giant man who kind of made the American League and uh, was, I mean, he's one. McGraw doesn't, uh, you know, we don't have a 1904 World Series because McGraw won't honor uh, Ban Johnson. Uh, in doing this, I mean, because Johnson suspended him once. That's when he leaves the American League and goes over to the National League, et cetera. And but uh, Ben Johnson's just seemingly an evil guy, and he goes in and demands uh, that the uh, American League wins. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know. It's um, I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> well, the characters, I'm sure, but I mean the names themselves alone are so much better at this era. You know, a Patsy uh, Daughtery. Daughtery, yes. A Buck Freeman. Um, even Cy Young. I mean, what a great name. Um, so, oh, by the way, one, one other thing about time travel. Do you realize that now everything that takes place in the Back to the Future trilogy is in the past? No, oh, Okay. All right. <laughs> I saw that on the internet, and I thought that was pretty clever. And the Cubs didn't win the World Series, so all prophecies are now debunked. That's right. So, all right. Well, as always, thank you to all of those listening at the website, runningthebases.com. You can find the podcast for download at soundcloud.com slash runningthebases or on the iTunes store and the iTunes podcast app. So for Coach Bounds, I'm Tucker Wells. This is the Running the Bases podcast. We're coming into home and we're safe. Coach, go Royals. Well, I don't know that I'm pulling for them. Right. Go World Series. There you go. All right. Have a good night. Good night.